Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Galactica Actually. I am A.D. Jackson and my co-host is... Jamie Smith. And this episode we're going to be going over uh, the episode entitled Torn. I called this the era of Galactica Esoterica episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> we really start getting a lot more into phil- philosophy and i don't know it's very much more esoteric than it's been the first few seasons um what are your uh, just uh like high level what are your thoughts about this episode so far um i like this episode i i think the stuff with the cylons is esoteric that's a, a good way of describing it um the stuff on the Galactica I found to be pretty compelling. So, like, I don't know. I this this isn't one of those episodes where I'm like mm, about it. I I think this one's you know got things to say that aren't kind of necessary for the story, especially when it comes to Ty and and Starbuck. Well, I hated it. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I did not hate it. <laughs> no. uh... For, so for me, like I like I'm like I liked it. Like so, I'm watching it and I liked it. So it's I'm not saying I didn't like I don't like the episode, but I did notice like and maybe it's because uh, maybe coming off the high of of New Caprica episodes, mm-hmm. um, and even the high of the last episode, and knowing that you know the story needs to start establishing new things to tell. And when we've when we've gone over other episodes when they finished arcs. It all, I've noticed that always that first episode when they're starting something new sometimes feels a little clunky sometimes, just like a, a touch. And I kind of I kind of feel like that was going on in this one. And it's it was fine for me just sitting passively watching. So, you know, I, I do like three watches of every episode before we before we sit down to discuss them. So, you know, I have my you know, my friends, they call it like the fun watch. So that's the one for myself, you know turn down the lights, put some candles on, 
little 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 wine and and I watch Battlestar Galactica. No, I don't do all that stuff, but um <laughs> and then uh and then I do another one where I like I kind of like take my notes and stuff, right? And what I noticed for that second watch was I had a little less momentum um, going from scene to scene and like kind of breaking stuff down. And then I noticed how much of the episode felt um, kind of like slow and clunky and also a little bit breezy. And I wasn't putting too much thought into it because I just was, I don't know, it didn't matter. It mattered to me at all. Um but then my third watch is when I listened to the commentary and it was really interesting listening to this commentary because yet again, like I've, as I said on other episodes where like I, sometimes I feel something and I'm not quite certain if what I'm feeling is right, quote unquote, right or correct. And he, Ron Moore goes, this was, this one was interesting because it was, uh, he was at, um, he, I guess he went to Cornell and so it was actually a podcast was recorded in the classroom. So they had watched the episode and they were doing a discussion after. And so people were, um, asking him questions and stuff. And he actually was saying how much this episode, the initial cut of it did not resonate with it. Like a lot of people hated it and he was really worried that he kind of like lost his way, so to speak, with this episode. And so there was a lot of triage to make it work. And then I was like, that's that, that's probably what I was feeling um, because it didn't all seem to organically fit together um, like other episodes do. And it wasn't like black market. I'm yeah. not, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that it wasn't like what's going on here, but I just, I could just felt a little, it's something just felt a little off to me. And sure enough, he was talking about it. He's like, there were so, they had to do so many things to make this one work that it just was something that I think I was like kind of instinctively feeling as I was watching the episode. So, well, that's um, interesting because a lot of what's written about this episode in this, um, companion is about how this episode changed several times um initially it was going to be about kara struggling to let go of casey when casey's mother proves to be less than ideal at one point kara actually turned in her wings to do the do right by the little girl and that's where the title torn first came from but during the during wow. the script development process, Kara's character seemed too scarred by her time with Leobin to go on that path, so we moved away from that, and the Cylon story became the A-plot. Some of Baltar's first experiences on the Cylon ship, including his first meeting with the hybrid, were moved from collaborators to this episode, so Torn became our first window into the Cylon world. We kept the title because we thought it worked well with the B-story in the final version of the script, the troops that went down to New Caprica find themselves at odds with the ones who stayed behind, so Torn still seemed an appropriate title to reflect that. Um, and then, throughout its development, Torn served to pave the way for the next installment of Season 3, A Measure of Salvation. Ron Moore says that Torn is very much a bridge episode, and it sets up the Cylon virus plotline and allow or follows Baltar's attempts to prove his worth to the Cylons. The episode ends with two storylines crossing with the Galactica and the Silence in the same place. And then 
there was something else that was taken from the last episode. Yeah, so the the scenes when and we can I we I guess we can kind of start talking about the episode because this is I think this is what you're about to say. Um is when we open up on this episode with Baltar and Head 6 on this beach, which is like really like beautifully shot, mm-hmm. um just like the colors and the lighting and that kind of stuff. Um they that was actually that was actually created much later Um, I think it was it was intended to be much later in the episode and they moved it and it was one of those things he talked about they moved so many things around just to make it work because they lost away but there was uh, the sequence when Baltar is like waking up it was actually footage from the previous episode where they had him you know waking up on the ship as well yeah Yeah, they 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 were moving they were moving a lot of stuff around to kind of get this one and that that scene that beach scene they had to amp up sort of the um, the lighting so that their faces were blurred because they they did ADR. It was completely different dialogue. I think that uh, I think they mentioned something about he Ron Moore was saying something about like they had stand ins for some of the shots, too. Like it was. Like it wasn't even oh uh, really six yeah Trisha didn't say anything um, about that on her podcast she just kept talking about how flat her stomach used to be which <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious um the other thing that is uh, that I like the I I, I wow <laughs> let me. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta like, just let it out. I like just had breathe. a glitch in just the do, matrix. Do, do, do naked, <laughs> naked tai chi. Um, breathe. The other thing is the stuff with Lee. Like this episode feels disjointed, and I think that's kind of what we're getting at here. Like it's a fine episode, but if you if you really, you know, lean into it, it's disjointed. Part of that is Lee suddenly being skinny and they actually say that that was supposed to go on for for longer and right they were gonna have him get back into shape by joining the marines and becoming a pure spartan warrior (sighs) well though yeah rum talks about that he like he he says those words but he doesn't say it like in that way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like yeah and then he becomes a warrior but it was more of like um just like him trying to get his edge back and like kind of going into that that the whatever that idea that Duala says about him like your guy without a war right. whatever so he like trying to find that and getting his edge like his your razor whatever that is and but like you said they like you're just saying now, like they realized and he says that they just were like, whatever, we're ditching that. It's not really working. It's not quite worth it. And so they have a little conceit. Um, it, it, literally a uh, a student asked him this question. Do you think you made Lee lose weight too quick? And he's like, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But like... he also is kind of like, like he, but he's like, yeah, we don't like. It wasn't really working. And like, you know, it was what I was saying before, you know, I, but about the whole Lee thing, I just kept saying, yeah, I don't think that they would have, I think they knew it did work. And I was like, again, I 
he, he kind of says it here. He it's says like, it, this wasn't working. Here, too, he says, frankly, the Fat Apollo storyline wasn't our finest hour. It was an interesting idea, but I don't think we knew what to do with it. And then Trisha Helfer was talking about it on her podcast, and she was like, first of all, he loses, like, 50 pounds. You don't lose 50 pounds in, like, the span of a week. I'm sorry. Like, it's impossible. Um, right. And she said, she's like, but look at look at Jamie here. He can move his face again, which mm -hmm. makes his performance so much better. Right. Maybe that's why I was when I was reacting to his like him being like a different character so much because I just could he couldn't even really move his face. Well, that's kind of what I said when we first started talking about Fatley um, at the end of season two. I was like, he cannot act through that makeup, like mm -hmm. he, and I think she said it better than me. He can't he can't emote through it. Yeah. And so much of acting is what you're doing on your face, and mm -hmm. if you can't act with your eyes the way Ty can. There's a there's a struggle there because your micro expressions are gone when you yeah. you're covered in in latex. So yeah, like there they would have been better off if they had done what we said. I think when Jason was on, if they'd let him just grow like a full beard, like just thaw it up. We don't need mm -hmm. to have this, you know, fat belly and the jowls. <laughs> like have him just like grow his hair out and and look sort of sloppy and that would have portrayed yeah. what lee was going through a lot better and he could have, have had like a ponytail yeah, or birkenstocks like less not the birkenstocks but like i'm not going that far i'm just saying like getting like what's the point of being in tip-top military shape we don't even ha we're not even fighting for anything anymore we're just up here like circling this planet yeah. you know um I, I just think that would have done so much more without any of the fat shaming. Well, and the, you know, part of the reality of production is that, you know, there's a, there's a time element. So they, you know, I, I'm pretty sure if you could rework, I mean, look at, look at the original Star Wars trilogy, right? Like the guy went back and changed things that he thought, like he always was bugged him and, um, I said the guy like nobody knows who he is. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that guy. What's his the name? The guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like things that bugged him didn't bug me. But um, you know, and I, even in stuff I write, like I always like I like I'll in the midst of writing, I might go back and I'm like, oh man, why didn't I have that idea? And I go back and put something back in. Um, and then in the case of this, it's like you have a whole like machine working, and they decided to do something and kind of i think they realized that it just wasn't quite working but at least the way the show was built they didn't really have to commit to it going to with it fully so they just kind of like tapped out when it when the story felt like it was the perfect time to be tapping out of that and you know and i think i think as a nod to uh, a lot of the viewers like we might not all have been in love with that storyline either. So it's just like, okay, they got rid of that. I'm, I'm okay. Like, it doesn't make sense that you can lose weight that soon, but I didn't also want to be, I didn't also want to feel like I have to watch a whole season of him mm -hmm. like losing weight either. You know, that's the Nikki um, and Paolo thing. <laughs> I just read a whole article about that the other day. Really? It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that, that never bothered me. Actually, <laughs> it seems to bother a lot of people. I just, I thought, I don't know. On my rewatches, because it went fast, because they were dispensed of 
halfway through, it didn't bother me as much as it did originally. But it's kind of like the issue that I I I have with um, it's kind of the issue I had with with Supernatural sometimes too, where there's a storyline that just isn't working. But when you're watching it week to week, you're like, oh my god, like this is going on forever. But when you're binging yeah. it it's over really quick and who cares? Like it doesn't bother you as much. And I feel like the Nikki and Paolo thing at the time was like, who the fuck are these people? And <laughs> why are we so, Oh, we're just supposed to believe that they were like just off camera, like just out of our line of sight this whole time. Like it was an interesting idea that didn't work. They <laughs> saw it wasn't working and they had to bury these people alive. And you know, it's unfortunate because Rodrigo Santoro and oh my god, I can't think of her name, Keely something. Like they actually were good in their roles. It's not their fault that they were so hated, but yeah, um, you know, they it just it wasn't working. But it it yeah because like you said the the pace of of making a TV show and you're making it so far ahead of time that you don't see until it's going. Like this isn't yeah. working, so you have to make some quick adjustments. And so for this, for this episode, he was, he was getting back. Um, like, I think like the cuts and like the production people were the ones that were expressing mm. their like, Oh no, this is, this is not working. And then he, they went back a lot. Like he said, he, there is so many instances in this uh, episode that he talks about how they cut this or cut that. The, um, uh, there's a little the sequence with uh, Starbuck and the fighters the very, like towards the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to roll out differently. It was shot differently. I think they cut most of it to be a specific thing, and I'll I'll get into that when we get there. It's just it's so interesting how much this episode kind of was chopped up to make it work. And I was actually that I was like that's why that's why when I was doing my second watch for the notes, I took a big long break which I normally don't do um, in the, a couple of them because I was just like, it just was not a drag to get through, but I was kind of feeling a little less momentum than I normally do, you know, yeah. when I'm watching it. So All of these things are true, I, but I also don't think it's a bad episode. It could have been much worse. We have mm -hmm. seen much worse. Um, this one is honestly... Other other than the stuff with Ty and Starbuck and Adama towards the end and the Cylon virus thing, it's mostly inconsequential. And and so it's it's just like a mid episode, you know? It's not the worst one they've ever done. It's just fine. It's fine. I I like it and when I'm watching it I'm I'm still like engaged and enjoying myself yeah it's like you know a testament to this show where you can have i think it only really stands out for me in this in this moment how it does because the rest of the show's so good right and right. so you have other shows that don't even you know don't even reach the level of this episode let alone you know like you know like you you even watched uh that one sh that one i don't want to say it because I, I feel like it's like the the jinx <laughs> word, but 
you that first episode you watched yep. you like you like that was like i mean in it, in a lot of regards it was good tv it just was like completely out of context for everything that had gone before but they did so many yeah. things um pushed so many um boundaries and expectations in a sort of like a a writing sense a story sense that it just didn't make sense for who these characters have already been established as and that you know and i have a i have a issue with uh a, a, i don't know exactly when it comes up but i know it's like a two-parter it has to do with the Cylon. it has to do with the virus episode but there's one episode actually i was i remember being really disappointed at the end of it because they well, one of the things i love about the show is that they kind of would do these have these characters make hard choices and when they would make hard choices they would have to suffer the consequences of them. And we didn't have that with a particular character. I'm talking about Hilo and the little uh, oxygen deprivation scene <laughs> that he has. I don't even know exactly when that comes. I don't know if it comes later in the season or if it's in a few episodes. But um, that that episode didn't even do what Black Market did. I said the name. Oh, no. It's okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you said it uh, last episode, and everything was fine. Know, yeah, and everything was fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, it's it's the show itself is still good, and like I, I I I'm only bringing this up just because I did I didn't really notice it until my second second watch. Like I'm watching the first one, and I'm like I was like I'm I'm just kind of cruising, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was the second watch where I was like, oh, God, I can't wait to get through with this one. <laughs> You know, um, and if I was watching it in a normal context, I wouldn't even thought twice about it because it's just there's just another episode that moves us on on this on this crazy great journey um, as we try to find real Earth, not fake Earth. Mm-hmm. I still don't know which is which, but real Earth um, is the one we live on. Yeah, well, so I always feel I actually kind of feel like the one the, the fake Earth is the one that well, no fake Earth is our Earth. I feel like and this is like way for... way far in the future where they found a new Earth. Because I I took it as this. Never mind. We'll talk about that on the finale. <laughs> yeah, no, like guys. Yeah, well, I'm not even. I don't even want to go into it. Like it'll be that's going to be the discussion. And I, I mean, I can finally have an answer because I, you know, I'm just like. Woo! There's a there's a planet. That's cool. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, so we talked about it. Baltar and Head Six are on the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's it's uh, again it's just the way that it looks. I was really struck by how it doesn't look like just another sci-fi channel <laughs> or like you know those uh at that time that era of usa network and sci-fi shows kind of had the same dna like, i think they were both universal and they all had that look like they were like tv shows but like battlestar used that they probably were at that same beach that i think we talked about when jason was here was here i don't know for sure i don't know where they shot it but like there's a there's a beach that I've seen in multiple Canadian shows, particularly Smallville in the first season and then later in the show. And like, this was probably just on some beach, but the way they just set everything up, the lighting and the, the it just, it just, it just looks filmic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, I understand why they did the thing with the, with amping up the sort of contrast with the mm-hmm. sunlight because they had to go in an ADR different, 
uh, dialogue, yeah. but I hate it. You do? Really? Wow, I, interesting. I don't like that their faces are completely blurred out. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Like I, I don't know how to describe it. It feels like like why are we why are we hiding their faces? Like mm-hmm. of all the things that you, like you could have this amp, amped up lighting, but not get rid of their faces. Now I understand now that that was it was sort of necessary if they wanted to have this scene in at all because they changed yeah. the dialogue and and not have to have the actors go and refilm. Trisha said it that filming on the beach is also just a nightmare because it's always windy and you always have to adr yeah i mean so yeah i mean i think i actually see what you're saying it's like the you feel off balance because you're like who are these people like the actors are supposed to be at the center of the scene and and they're like off camera a little bit you see you see more Six's body, but they never really kind of establish her head and stuff. And yeah. Yeah, it does feel often. But also, I mean, for me, it's like it's supposed to be dreamlike. So I'm just not be I'm not feeling as literal. And then, you know, I have my whole thing about sunsets and sunrises. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's just why I just like the the color of the, the sky and the sun. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I mean, it um, looks like aesthetically. Yeah, beautiful. Just yeah. as somebody who really loves to watch a performer perform mm-hmm. um i'm not getting to see these two and and how they're actually looking at each other it's interesting that you're kind of talking about that because um the conversation that they have to me actually was uh, a little bit inconsequential i actually wrote in my notes they discussed blah 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 because i did really like, I don't know. They're just talking about stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, they're talking about projection, which comes up yeah. again later. And then, um, like, what are you? Uh, you're you're either connected to the woman in you in Cap, New Cap, uh, on Caprica, or you're just a damaged part of my psyche. Like, this is a, this is a question that we've already, like, asked over and over again on this show. Yeah. I, and again, in my notes, I was right. Yeah, is this going back to season one? They Didn't they have... They had that whole conversation. I think it was in season one when he was like, are you a chip in my brain and all that yeah. stuff? Um, but the first part of the conversation was just them just talking whenever. And and then it gets a, a little bit later. He started they start talking about that, you know, set up for the rest of the episode. Um, and. She's uh, she says um, when he asked that question about the psyche and all that stuff she says plain as day and um people you know people didn't believe her and we and they worked themselves up and got mad about it later but she says it's plain as day i'm an angel of god sitting here to help you just as i always have been Mm -hmm. and um we i guess people that are upset didn't take her at her word which you know i don't blame them i don't blame them um, so to speak, but it was always there, right? Now, I do have a question for you. Um, do you think this line that she speaks is, do you think this is like a new direction or a mission statement, so to speak? Because it doesn't, it like it, it doesn't line up with everything we've seen before with her. I'm an angel of God so do you think here to help you. Yeah. I mean, she 
she does help him consistently. I'm thinking I'm thinking about because that's been my obviously I'm that's the that's the version I've been saying all along, but even then there's some episodes where I'm like, uh doesn't line up with that. I was just wondering from like a story writing standpoint, do you think that that was always the intention or they like in the writer's room, they just kind of like, okay, this is what lines up now. We're going to be going with this from here on out. Do I think they always intended her to be an angel of God and not some weird hallucination he was having? I, (laughs) I think they, I think, I don't know. I think that probably no. They probably didn't know exactly what she was at the beginning, and then they've come to this conclusion over time uh, mm-hmm. because it's her her behavior is inconsistent. Sometimes it's like she yeah. knows exactly what the Cylons are doing, and she's mm-hmm. giving him a heads up so that he can like be a step ahead of the humans and not get himself thrown out an airlock. Other times mm-hmm. it's like she actually is helping him. Um, get to a certain place she definitely is guiding him to something that you know as we see throughout this series with with Hera you know like everything that she says comes true yeah yeah so in that respect like yes she's something to guide him is she an angel I don't know I guess well through through the um you know even that idea of like an angel and even this whole idea of what god is what my interpretation of it when i watched the show and they said it was i think more in the what i think you would call like a traditional sense of this idea of how we think of like you know assuming a religion is true or even like mythology you know it's like there's the gods in the sky or whatever and they're in it's kind of mysterious but um if you Again, I don't think this was planned, but if you, I don't think it's planned um, from the start, but if you watch Caprica, a lot of stuff on that show, they never really, really get into and explain it, but it actually explains a lot about, like, they talk a lot about, like, the one true God and um, even this idea of projection, um, because the whole uh, start of the story is really about like uh, like virtual reality actually and there's a part of me that feels like that's that whole VR stuff and like God and stuff is really just like a ghost in a machine type deal and not like some deity like you know we are we would assume to think living in our world they didn't really get into it but anyway <laughs> thank you for tuning into the episode of Torn um <laughs> anyways baltar wakes up and with those these are the shots from the previous episode that they slapped into this one um uh, he's half half naked and afraid uh and we get a we get a glimpse he starts walking around we get a glimpse of a uh what will be a very important character moving forward um and that is the hybrid um and uh this an, another thing about when we're on the Cylon base stars, um, I, Ron Moore was talking about in this uh, class, somebody asked him, I think he asked him the question that I think you asked, or we were talking about the, not asked, but we were talking about in the last episode about the uh, the Cylon base star and like the look of it and everything. And he kind of reiterated how 
Like he, he went for a minimalist feel because, you know, anything that he, like they did, people would like kind of react strongly to. Um, but he was really worried in this episode about things being boring because there's not a lot going on in the base stars. And so they do a lot of fades from scene to scene and mm-hmm. that like when after he said it, I'm like oh yeah because he does that a lot like it um, you know it kind of like it kind of fades into the next sequence and he does that to show the passage of time as opposed to when they're on the Galactica it's like a more sharp cut um, so I just say that because it's like he wakes up and then all of a sudden I'm talking about the hybrid and I'm like oh yeah like is it just kind of like the next thing just kind of like rolls into the next and that happens a lot on this on the base star uh, sequence, but yeah, the hybrid uh, shows up um, while he is in the corridor. Uh, uh, Baltar is kind of like uh, he's looking at the Cylon tech, and then Deanna shows up and remarks, "So oh, you know, we're all connected, or whatever." And then Six enters and asks if um, if Deanna has asked Baltar yet. And Baltar's like, what? And then Six is like, uh, yeah, about Earth. And basically, they want Baltar to show them the way to Earth. He says he doesn't know where it is. But then Deanna's, and or and, and then Deanna's like, oh, well, you know, we have no use for you. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, you know, Baltar's going to Baltar. <laughs> and his memory suddenly kicks in. Spent and... hours, days, weeks, months and months. <laughs> hey. He went from, I don't know, to like, uh, I'm your guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so uh, Six, you know, is basically like, oh, we'll get back to you on that. Um, and But then Baltar asks a very important question. And again, this is another really important concept for the show moving forward. Um, like, he's like, well, why Earth? And then both Six and Deanna are like, uh, yeah, the Cylons have decided that this will be our new home. Yeah. And... Yeah, so just getting to Earth isn't is it like the the I think it's the word panacea uh, of uh, of like resolving all of this conflict and war. So there's a lot more things that need to be resolved before we get there. Well, and also for a storytelling a- aspect, you can't just have the Cylons and the humans never meet up again. Yeah. Yeah, so we're on the back on the Galactica. There's a training exercise going on. I just write Starbuck goes buck wild, <laughs> and reckless crashes in the cat. Um, this was the whole sequence where they were uh, again like that. That description is basically what happens. They were trying to sh- just kind of do training to see if they could shoot each other, and Starbuck wasn't listening and she crashes into cat well originally she wasn't even going to crash into cat she was just gonna run out of gas right that's that was just gonna say (laughs) yeah originally she runs out of gas and then starbuck or apollo is telling her to like head back in and then she doesn't listen and still tries to shoot and that's why she crashes into cat um and then rom ward just says yeah that was kind of boring running out of gas like that's that's lame. So they cut it into this um, version. So on the deck, Chief, you know, he remarks, he's wondering, um, you know, they're everywhere. And it's kind of cool, you know, still shows that she's like this great pilot. Um, yeah. How how did she manage to land without uh, any fuel? Um, 
And then almost like as a, in a rehash, it almost feels like we're just back to season one yeah. <laughs> in some regard. Apollo gets in her face and she's just like, uh, yeah, the bird's on the deck. I'm on the deck. I don't know what you're bitching about. <laughs> and Apollo's not having any of it. So he grounds her, which is, I don't know that he would have done that in season one for sure, but he definitely, but that whole dynamic definitely feels, I mean, it just feels like it was ripped from, even visually ripped from season one. Yeah, Lee lost all of his his belly fat and now he's back to just being a dick to Starbuck, <laughs> even though she deserves it. He's back to yelling at her I mean, in front of everybody. I mean, she did deserve it. Yeah. You know they can't re- they can't build new ships anymore, but that's that's on him. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so yeah, maybe it does make him more of a dick. That's not, not your problem, not her fault, dude. Anyway, uh, Ty is in his quarters. He's having Ellen flashbacks, and he's so hearing her voice. Uh, I she's like, I can't believe you did that to me. Um, actually, I have a question. Do you think that? This was intended as a setup for what happens at the end of the season, or do you think it was just sort of coincidence with him? Where's that sound coming from? It's coming from the fracking walls. (laughs) No, I think that this is (laughs) Ty being in a drunken stupor in his quarters, hearing, thinking about his wife, and he hears this voice that his drunk brain thinks is hers. Because there is a woman, you know, blonde woman out there who's actually, like, not yelling, but, like, disciplining or admonishing her kid. It's coming from the fracking ship! (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, it was interesting to me how, like, the composition of both of those sequences are basically the same. I don't know exactly when they decided who the final five were, um, but this is the episode, I think, where this is the first time we hear the whole, that idea, right? And so yeah. I just was kind of wondering if this was, like, a a, a circular way to kind of, to show something that was going to come into play later but who knows it was like that was it was a lot further off in terms of production i i get the impression they didn't really have any idea until they started the second season <laughs> or the second half of the third season Well, that would be my question to ron moore if i could ask him one question i would say at what point in season three did you decide who the final five were and when as a that's a not a full question. There's a semicolon there. When in that decision did you decide the fifth one was Ellen? Like, I want to know if that was always the intention for her to be the the one, the last one, or if that was like, we've revealed four, who's going to be the fifth? And they thought about that over the break. Shut that fracking hatch! <laughs> oh, I love that so much. <laughs> so, yeah, he... He hears voices. He runs out. He sees that woman. It looks like Ellen, but it's not her. Um, In the pilot's barracks, Casey, our little Casey, she comes running in and she's looking for Starbuck. Uh, Kawa, Kawa. She has a whole vocabulary (laughs) now. (laughs) Kawa. (laughs) Uh, 
Rob Moore, and like even when they when they were he was talking about the new Caprica episodes, and he talks about it here, and then towards the end of the episode, he it actually, I think why she doesn't really say a lot is because he says it's really difficult shooting with little kids, and his philosophy sounds like he treats them like little props. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really expect them. He doesn't expect much out of them. And I think actually he's like he says that the young actress that plays Casey had a real affinity to Katie after having worked with her so much in on the new Caprica episodes. So Katie was actually able to pull some of that stuff out of her, huh. especially towards the in the last uh, time we see them. Um, but yeah, I literally wrote Kawa Kawa in my uh, notes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, her mother uh, shows up. Uh, her name is Julia. She introduces herself, and she says she can't, she's come over because Casey's been asking for Kara. The refugees have been in what's called Camp Oil Slick, and Starbuck hasn't responded to any of the messages, so she decided to come over for a visit. Starbuck rejects her, basically, and warns. Basically, is warning warning against her so she's basically like you don't want any part of this and she says the last thing i need is a two-year-old friend and more importantly i think casey doesn't need me in her life is what um Mm -hmm. kara says um so don't bring her around um and then julia's all fine (laughs) and leaves with casey and starbucks just kind of sulky in her bunk after that um and then we get to the part where lee's getting in shape it gets in shape. Don't ever let that happen again. I actually like the, uh, I like how Hilo play. And when I say like, um, I humorously like how he plays that, uh, scene. He's just like, see, see, I, I told I, you you could do I it. I told you. <laughs> if you do it enough crap, me... you can be as big and strong as I am. <laughs> see, see, there's a scene, there's a scene in, uh, gladiator i can't i don't know like it's like when uh russell crowe first like he's all he he had passed out towards the beginning and then they capture him in the little caravan and then jaman hansu like is putting like little herbs or something in his wounds and then and then he uh, the russell crowe wakes up and then jaman hansu's all see see <laughs> i told you <laughs> I mean, I don't know why it made me think of that, but it had the same exact, like, I'm just filling uh, air. Uh, I have really nothing to do or say, so I'm just going to say something. Um, <laughs> so I talked about this to you off air, but I found this panel from uh, Dragon Con in 2021 that a bunch of the cast was at that broke my heart that I missed and only learned about when I found this video of the panel. But one of the things that they talked about quite a bit in it was how their experience as a cast really became like a family in a way that none of them have experienced since, no matter what else they've done. And Tamo was like, he didn't want to say the name of the show. He's like, I was on another show, uh, basically right after this and and it was not the same environment as we had on Battlestar Galactica where I know what show I know is. what show he's talking about too um but I just love the way that they talk about each other a- about being a family and you get scenes like 
this. This is how I'm going to relate it back to this. You get scenes like this to have Hilo in it for no no particular reason to have Hilo in here, except to have somebody to bounce for Lee to bounce things off of. But you the the way you can sort of you know move the the pieces around the board and have anybody be in a scene with anybody, and they're always able to play off of each other and have this sort of lived in like comfort with each other Mm -hmm. I think not only comes from their abilities as actors but from the fact that when they weren't filming they were hanging out with each other they were having dinners they were having watch parties there's apparently like uh like barbecues or something at Aaron Douglas's house or legendary and um the friendship that's between all of them really comes out on screen. So see, see, I told you you could trick that other beer. Yeah. That fourth beer. (laughs) This, this like, like really, there is no reason for Hilo to be there except that they needed somebody for Apollo to be speaking to. And why not have Hilo? There's, you know, nothing else for him to do in this episode. Like let's, Let's have Tomo in there. I mean, we never see these two you know, together. You know, it may actually makes kind of makes me laugh is uh, apparently maybe Hilo, and uh, you like this, maybe Hilo is always in the gym working out because the other kind of scene I can remember was him working out with the Starbuck mm-hmm. when she was, you know, and uh, maybe that's just where he lives. Maybe he's a gym rat. Which know? is not normally my thing, but I do appreciate <laughs> watching Tomo do anything he wants to do. <laughs> Well, he's not a lunkhead. He's the he might be a he might yeah. know, be a gym rat, but he he's more he's an intellectual he's gym more, rat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, I don't know why I really just love the way he just says those lines because <laughs> it's it's like it's nothing about anything, but it, it it's it, there's so much to it. Um, in the. In the war room, um, we have uh, Gaeta, who, like, in these rare moments, one of the rare moments where he's wearing, he's in uniform, but it's like, he's very unkempt. Yeah, it made Um, me wonder, is he, like, not fully back to doing his job, not fully integrated? Like, he is, he's wearing his uniform jacket, but it is unbuttoned. Yeah. I, I literally was going to ask you, like, what is, what was your take on that? I, I, yeah, I just feel like he's he's been allowed back in but maybe he's not fully like in his position yet it's like we need you to take a look at these these things that baltar was looking into and see what you can see here because you were there when he was working on it or whatever i have a i have a little bit of a like a different read like kind of it like it starts from there but also a little bit of like Gaeta, there's a motivation for him to want to contribute and also a good way for him to do that. And I'm not saying this was a, like Baltar would have thought of all of this in a Baltar way to like show myself mm-hmm. to be useful because I will be able to use them. But for Gaeta, it's more like it, it would come from a like, I want to contribute. I want to do something, guys, you know, uh, just give me the ball, you know, that kind of thing. But like. But like, 
it seemed like Gaeta, the way Gaeta is talking about all this stuff. So he starts talking about like the scrolls of Pythia and like uh, the, the all these signs that point to where Earth is. He seems very consumed by it. So I get I get a sense that he like almost mad scientist mode um, has been doing all this stuff. And that's why he is a little bit unkempt, like because he's just like. And then, and then, and then you go over here, and you do this. Well, he's you know? probably been doing this for I don't know how long it's been now. Another three days for Lee to lose all that weight. Um, <laughs> but also, see? like, see, I told you, <laughs> you can do this. Gata was the one who always charted out their jumps and stuff, so he understands, <laughs> like, what does Baltar call it? In when he's talking to them, he says gravitational drift no 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 is that what you're talking about he says uh, astrometric observations uh, uh yeah you know astro babble but i think uh of all of all the people on the crew that could maybe like not have to be essential to the cic currently gata probably understands those astrometric calculations a little bit better than some rando yeah i mean it was always like a, a thought of mine when i was initially watched uh the those episodes when they get the like they there's any my we might even talked about it or i might have asked when it was like are they seeing when they were on um cobalt and they were in the uh the planetarium <laughs> uh deal did they like? Were they seeing what the stars looked like from Earth, or was it, you know, something else? But if they were seeing it, the constellations and everything from on Earth, then they would not. The constellations wouldn't look the same, or like the stars wouldn't be at the same point in the sky as they are, you know, wherever, um, wherever the colonies were. And so they had to figure out, they'd have to figure out how to position the stars just to find the actual location. He says, it appears that he was trying to correlate our own astrometric readings with the map of constellations that we found back on COBOL. So I always took that as these constellations, because while they're there, they're pointing out constellations that are from our Earth, you know, right. the, the Zodiac yeah. constellation. So yeah. I took it as like whatever that was you know, step into a wormhole, it was, they were standing on earth and looking up at the constellations from that perspective. And so now it's a question of where are those constellations? And I guess the road to them is this lion's head nebula with a red and blue blinking eye. Yeah. And they, so they decide, um, they decide from there that they, there's like two potential locations that it could be. So they, you know, set it, set that up for later um, to go look at. Then back, kind of concurrently back on the base ship, Six says that uh, Baltar's uh, navigation markers were helpful and that they've sent a base ship to investigate. So um, meanwhile, um, they're walking and talking like on West Wing. Mm -hmm. And then um, Six questions of Baltar has been truthful about everything. Um, and this is when they stumble on a naked uh, eight doing Tai Chi. It, it's kind of, um, kind of random. So Grace Park has something to say about this mm -hmm. she says she didn't actually mind doing a nude scene another nude scene 
But I think it yeah. would have been more interesting if we'd had Simon or Leo been doing the naked Tai Chi. Yeah, yeah that is true. <laughs> no, I mean... It's always yeah, got to be great. Yeah, it is true because, you know, even even at the beginning of the episode when Ron Moore is talking about moving stuff around, he, you know, he he did kind of like offhandedly remark like, like, oh, yeah, we were having trouble. Like, but who wouldn't want, you know, bikini clad six on the beach? You know, and the class laughs and I'm like here in 2023. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, um, but that also like I personally don't mind that. Um, but I don't I, mind also, it either, I, I, but does it always have I to be reckon- a naked woman? Right, yeah. So I recognize that there are lots of different people that have lots of different, like, interests and views and, like, people want to see different things. So, um, yeah, it actually would have been um, a little bit more interesting to see a naked um, male character there. Um, and it would go along with what uh, Ron Moore kind of talks about in that scene, was, which is just to show that the Cylons, at least this is how he intellectualizes it, how Cylons would have, like, whatever their um, thoughts about, like, sexuality mm-hmm. and nudity would be different than ours, you know, or, like, maybe not have, have the same hang-ups. So her just kind of doing the naked Tai Chi there um, wouldn't be so abnormal, you know, in a public setting. Because um, you don't necessarily find that here unless you're in, like, Jamaica or particular beaches um, around the world that are designated for that. Um, Can I ask a really important question? No, I've never done naked tai chi. <laughs> so all of the 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 female Cylons are all very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And for the men, we have Doral, Leobin, Dean Stockwell, <laughs> and Rick Worthy. None of whom anyone would say is beautiful. How's that fair? Just saying. Well, it's to balance out the most beautiful of the Cylons is Anders. That's true. But uh, we don't get a lot of copies of Anders. No, I mean, you're right. Like, you know, as I was kind of talking a little bit earlier, this thought that I forgot about it, you just brought this up. But it's, you know, it's from the bias of, a male creating this stuff. Yeah. And that's like, like plain and simple. It would have been interesting yeah. if, like, I don't want to get rid of Lucy Lawless or Grace Park or Trisha Helfer. You know, they're all excellent on this show. But it would have been interesting to have one of the female Cylons be, like, maybe a little bit older, maybe just a little bit normal looking, not glamorous, beautiful. Like, just, like, not that this would happen, but like a Tilda Swinton type, you know? Someone who can, you know, act really well, but is more like a character actor. And then have one of the male Cylons be just, like, super hot. Just because. <laughs> just because. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, I think that comes down to that, partly down to that idea of, like, the male gaze and all Absolutely, that stuff, right? Absolutely, like, yes. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying I, I would be guilty of it. Like it would be something that someone would have to stop me and be like, "Hey, 
because you know i it's like i like the things i like and so i would be more inclined to kind of like you should say i probably cast it that way and then i like i do i know that i react to like um as a straight heterosexual that's this that's the being redundant but male it's like um i react to a male actor that's so pretty that i can't buy him being like rugged or whatever so it's like like i uh what's his name <laughs> channing tatum <laughs> It's like he was like they were pushing him in so many shows. And for me, I was just like, I was like, well, I know, I know, like, I know, like, women love him, but I'm like, I don't buy him in these roles that they were trying to the put the to force him in. And, he's not a, but that's that was, I feel like he's not a great example because I think Channing Tatum it, is not really attractive. I, I would, <laughs> I would say that. If you got cast in Magic Mike, that a majority of like you might not oh, think that, but a majority of his dancing is great. His body's phenomenal. His face looks like a potato. Yeah. So, anyways, I I, think, I'm, I'm I not think saying what yeah. you're looking for is Brad Pitt. So this is this is I actually made this point recently about Margot Robbie, that Margot Robbie is sort of going through the Brad Pitt syndrome right now. Brad Pitt was so incredibly beautiful that people didn't take him seriously as an actor, I feel, for a really long mm -hmm. time. He was underrated for a really long time. His performances were not lauded in a way. He had to ugly himself up a lot to try to get people to really see what he could do as an actor. And Ro Margot Robbie is so beautiful and such a good actress that she makes what she does look very easy and it doesn't get mm -hmm. the credit that it deserves. I think it took a long time for people to take Brad Pitt seriously. It might have even been like Fight Club, where he was so hot, but also like allowed himself to have broken teeth and stuff or show his actual broken teeth. Um, That's so weird that you bring up Fight Club. I literally have a quote from Fight Club later in this. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know what, what I mean? Like, like people couldn't see past his beauty. It yeah. took a really, really long time. So no matter how much yeah, he I mean, tried to rugged himself up, it was still like, dude, you're so, so pretty. Yeah, I mean, that that is a great, yeah, that's a great example because like I, I can kind of think of myself and I didn't take, I, I don't think I really took him quote unquote serious until Fight Club because it, it, it was like he, there was like that whatever he, he had that rugged male thing that I could attach myself to. Um, and but that again, that's as a you have a bunch of males casting and that stuff. So that's you know, unfortunately, why you have all these really beautiful um, female Cylons and these <laughs> right. and you have cowboys. They're they're good. <laughs> these really, they're all the women are great actors. The men mm -hmm. are character actors who can play charactery roles, and the women often. Even though they are the more prominent Cylons, other than Cavill, they are the more prominent Cylons. They are so often being a, a bit objectified mm -hmm. because Trisha Helfer looks like Trisha Helfer. And yeah. she should be in the skimpiest clothing that we can 
get her in and always look glamorous and you know like she talked again on her podcast about the brown wig that she wears in the later scene how she just really was like yeah let me wear a dark wig for once because she had to wear wigs at this point because all of her hair fell out Mm -hmm. because of all the bleaching and like that's not happening to the men not making them yeah them you know destroy their hair for glamorous reasons that you know it's just yes it's a double standard we don't need to harp on it too long i just it just occurred to me when we're talking about poor grace park who once again has to be naked it's not even the first time once again <laughs> has to be naked and she's like yeah that's that's fine it would have been cooler to see one of the dudes do it though I've always just felt like she, as a human being, she just didn't have that hang up or something. I don't know. I don't. Like I, she... I don't know that she did. I just like that she said what she said. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, I I didn't have a problem with it, but it would have been cooler to see someone else do it. A little bit attached to that idea, um, like Baltar. So Baltar sees her, and he's very like he acts like kind of shy about mm-hmm. it. For once, <laughs> and I, yeah, but I, I actually kind of noticed, and I, but I, my memory could be faulty or not correct, but he, like, as much as he seems to sexualize uh, all the other female characters, he doesn't really ever do that with Sharon models. Yeah, in that's fact, true. in the, yeah, and in, in fact, in the, uh, you know, in that season one finale, it's almost like it's almost like a strange big brother mentor yeah. kind of thing even he's like kind of you know and i just i just kind of noticed that and that it it's, might be uh, because like... she's supposed to really present as very young compared mm-hmm. to the other ones she just seems like a young adult instead of an adult adult well maybe uh, also like to to be fair uh james callis was pretty naked in the last episode so you and well, the start of this one too. Yes, yeah, since Ooh. that was also from the last episode. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So you know, fair, fair is fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, your I, your point is actually valid. I'm just kind of, I mean, I, you know, I'm like, hey, I mean, I don't know. Stuff. I just happens, didn't so want. I, really... I didn't want all the listeners sending me messages about how Baltar was naked. Yes, he was. You're right. <laughs> he was. I, I'm aware. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so we're in a hallway that looks and everything. He, he kind of remarks that everything looks the same. And then this is when Six starts describing how she sees everything differently. And like to her, it looks like a forest. So what are you talking about? Are you in drugs, woman? Um, and then she says it's like daydreaming, but it's way more real. Um, and each of the Cylons actually chooses to see the environment however they wish. And then you like so she like kind of switches to this forest as she's talking about it, and actually, again, another beautiful outdoor shot um, of uh, of uh, forest in um, Vancouver that in Stargate would have looked like a small little park, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, they kind of demonstrate it. Uh, there's a Doral model who's like, I just love Doral. It's like he's always so pissy. <laughs> but he walks he walks through and he kind of like looks at them um but he's in that you know he doesn't realize he it looks like that but yeah. that's what she's saying and he kind of walks through the scene now when this when this first aired and they reveal this projection stuff you uh-huh. know and my immediate thought was Baltar does this like he's got his little imaginary 
right. existence. And so I did have the question of like, oh shit, is is he a Cylon? Well, you know who else thinks that? Baltar. Sure. Yes. I mean, because... the, when, when he... <laughs> When he says it, which is like in this scene, am I a Cylon? The look that Six gives him. Yeah. I would also like somebody to make it into a gift for me. Like, the, <laughs> it's such a the fuck kind of look. Yeah. So good. Little roll of the eyes and kind of like <laughs> shake of the head, like, well, whatever, dude. <laughs> Yeah, in the he like they he jumps back out into that scene of the beach and talking to Head Six, and then that's you know he's like, "Well, this the same this projection. That's kind of that's the same as this, yeah. you know." And then he asked her, "Am I Cylon?" And um, then all of a sudden, out in the real world, um, Caprica Six says that. Yeah, in the mess hall on Galactica, <laughs> Sharon um, is asking my girl Racetrack. Um, if she's okay going back to being second seat, the racetrack's like, uh, you know, she because she she's like a racetrack's a pretty good pilot now. But racetrack's just like, oh yeah, I just want to keep flying any way I can stay out there. And they're all kind of playing cards and hanging out and stuff. Um, and then she says, uh, "You want me? I'm yours, Boomer." And then uh, Sharon kind of has this look, and she's all, "No, Boomer was someone else." And then Hilo, her man, steps up and shouts out to the whole mess hall. It's like, hey, everyone, we need a new call sign for Sharon. I, I, is that, I don't know. Is that how they do call signs for everybody else? <laughs> uh, but... I mean, uh, kind of. But it usually, yeah. from my experience, based on my friend working with a uh, fighter pilot squadron, um, mm-hmm. In her, what she experiences, it, it it tended to come from uh, like personal. They would get a nickname, and then their the nickname would become their call sign. Right. Yeah. So it's more organic, right? And it the it's just kind of attached to what you're saying. the The names that they give are a lot more in line with that idea that you just said, more personal and like kind of to her situation. Can I list off um, what they? Yell out because yeah, they all yell them yeah. at the same time, so it's hard to hear. But my well, my for the first one is what is it? The first one that is said is my actually my favorite favorite. Even though the name that they give, I like because of different reasons. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Chrome Dome <laughs> is what her. It's like literally should be what her call side is. But okay, well, continue. That's rude. So Chrome Dome, <laughs> Titania, Light Bulb wind-up toy raptor adapter microchip digital dame mayflower carburetor tin can toaster babe transistor and robo pilot right like they're all rude they're all, <laughs> they all really fucking racist. rude <laughs> they're all racist wind-up they're toy all, they're all exclusionary but i i kind of feel like and they're all said affectionately. Yeah, like, because that's kind of like, that's the, I mean, the call signs, they're not affirmative always. Like, I kind of feel like Apollo would be, um, in, a, in a way, like, it would be a knock. Like, people are like, oh, yeah, sure, Apollo, you know, because he walks around like that. It's not like you're like, oh, we think you're a god, dude. Uh, you think you're a god. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Maverick isn't like you know. Oh, we we admire you because you, because uh, you just do you go do your own thing. You know, uh, Chuckles is from uh, uh, I think it's from this one or and there's there's one there's a uh, there's a character Jolly. You know, so I just yeah, you know, and they're then, not meant to be. I know it's <laughs> it's like a, a they're teases. Yeah. And I mean, out of all of these, Mayflower is the only one that isn't like about her being a, a Cylon. Yeah. But then Hot Dog is like, what about Athena? Yeah. So, I mean, I really liked Chrome Dome. But yeah, when he says Athena, now we all know that I love the original show. And up to this point, like, you know, like it always he didn't bother me, but. Like, again, like, the character of Athena, she wasn't, I will say she was important, but, like, she didn't really factor story-wise very much after the first few episodes of the show. But she was a, she was a pretty big character. She was Adama's daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a pretty big deal, right? And they, in this show, they never really even acknowledged that idea of him even having, like... Like yeah, even like there's a he. I had a daughter on New Cap on Caprica that we left. You know, it was none of that, right? And so when they say Athena, I remember the first time they said it, like the swoon, <laughs> the swoon I had. I felt complete finally. <laughs> I was like they like the show like finally brought in like the last element that they had been missing. Um, to to kind of like reimagine from the show. I told you um, I named my car Athena, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Because my first <laughs> my first car, not my first car, but my previous car was named Hilo, and so this one is Athena because she's a sexy robot wife. And I have I have a I have a cricket which like you can cut out vinyl stickers and stuff. And I made a sticker, a little glittery sticker that says Athena, and it's on my dashboard. <laughs> So then <laughs> you hear Hot Dog say Athena out, you know, in the midst of all those other Raptor adapter. <laughs> That's actually funny. Um, <laughs> for the first time I realized, oh, no, he means like Raptor, like the Raptors, they fly. But the, why adapter? Oh, because you can plug. Oh, I get it. Um, but uh, Hilo's like, uh, what? Athena, what? And then... <laughs> um, a hot dog gives the spiel, and, and like of all the people that give it, he's very like educated. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's, she's the goddess of wisdom and war, usually accompanied uh, accompanied by the goddess of victory." <laughs> it reminds me of a movie, "God in Sixty Seconds," the remake version. At the very end of the movie, there's a character named Sphinx that never speaks the entire movie. And then at the very, very, very end of the movie, he speaks and gives all this wisdom. And he, it's like philosophical. It reminded me of that same Wait. exact moment. So there's Gone in 60 Seconds with Angelina Jolie and Nick Yeah, that's Cage. the one. Yeah, that's the remake. That's the a remake of what? Uh, there was a, the original movie was like uh, in the 70s and it was, I think it was in San Francisco, I think. Oh no, that's Bullet. Um, but yeah, it's a, it was basically a remake of a really low budget 
B movie, which the same concept, except it had less story. It literally was just kind of like stealing cars. And oh, I had no idea water. that was a remake of anything. That's yeah. Well, you learn something new every day. I wish I'd learned something different today, but <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna remake stuff, take movies that like you know were already imperfect yeah. to remake them. Absolutely. I I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna get stoned. Right now, by any old G Battle fan, Battlestar fans, but Battlestar Galactica was a good show to remake because it ended um, kind of abruptly. Never had a proper ending. It felt it wasn't fully realized, and so there was a lot of stuff that left to interpret and continue. Um, so you want to do stuff like that, not like something that already is perceived as perfect. Even though I don't really think anything ever is, but like, why would you go remake like Lord of the Rings? Say right. after we've hit the heights that we have, but with it. Um, but anyways, yeah. So that's her name. She's Athena now, and we're probably will. I'll just be calling her. I've I had I've had to like think in my head to keep calling her Sharon, or you know, even now I can just say Athena. Yeah. <laughs> when talking um, about her. Just to add on to what you just said about remaking, the remaking of this show, um, that ties into what Rekha Sharma said um, yeah. about when when her agents called her and said, hey, we have this, um, this audition for you. It's for Battlestar Galactica. And she was like, uh, wasn't that some really bad, cheesy show from like the 70s? No, thanks. <laughs> And uh-huh. they were like, no, no, just read the script. Like, read the sides, let us know what you think. And when she read the sides, she was like, oh, yeah, absolutely, like, send me in for it. And mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm so glad that they sort of insisted because I got to, you know, work on this show and work with Mary McDonnell, who made her a better actress, according to her. Well, let me say I'm glad she accepted, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was going to make it out like, of this episode without that. We're watching her in this on this panel because she was one of the people that was at uh, Dragon Con, and I like paused it and I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, "She looks fucking incredible." It has been twenty years since Battlestar, yeah. and she looks yeah. so beautiful. Like she's aging, yes. like it, like barely. She looks barely. so yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, on fire, fire, fireflies. Okay, why well, I always say fireflies? Uh, yellow, yellow jackets. jackets. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, she looks basically the same. Yeah, and that was just uh, like that role was just like a few years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably like two, two years ago, three, three. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Back. Yeah, I know. Oh. <laughs> That's a show that I don't foresee a satisfying ending, so I'm just on board for the journey because i don't i don't yeah anyway yeah they already they already killed my favorite character so well i asked you offline yeah. <laughs> what is it i'm still uh, in oh, I I fucking know, I, love I, that I, show. yeah i think i know what you're talking about. um yeah so uh anyways ty enters the room amidst all of this and he's on he uh he wants some of the hooch <laughs> um and I love his acting and this and the rest of the episode, but he uh, he 
you know, he, he starts talking about how the civilians are trying to get a shower and like those stupid civilians. He says something to that effect, you know, back way back in the beginning when the 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 people on the ships aren't used to like having to ration and yeah, well, we will dr- just drink a thimble of water every day. Like so, he you know he already doesn't have respect for them, but now they're in his space. He doesn't really like that much. Um, some of the other pilots are you know. Uh, talking about how it used to be like the ship, especially the last year and four months had been like a tomb. Um, and now it's like, you know, all crowded and stuff. Um, Starbuck and Ty end up in what I, you know, I like to call the oppression Olympics. Um, where you, (laughs) you know, you just have to like tell you, tell you, I have to tell you how much worse I had it. Or if you talk about how you had it good, I have to tell you how much I struggled, you know. That's basically what they're engaging yeah, in. Yeah, um, I mean, Ty and Starbuck are right. <laughs> like, this is not a, this is not a, an even fight here. Well, they're, I mean, they're right, but are they? And we'll talk about, I mean, there's a there's a great line that a uh, character that I know you hate um, almost as much as uh, Callie um, says that kind of like puts a, puts a stop to them. At, well, it doesn't put a stop to them feeling righteous about it, but at least it puts a thought out to the audience about um, people feeling righteous. It's Cat. Oh, I'm I don't being, hate her. As being as being sarcastic, also, I didn't. I don't think you hate her. But, yeah, she um, she's like it wasn't exactly easy coming up with a plan to save your butts, and you know, Starbucks like, oh, oh boohoo, you had hot showers, three squares a day, didn't even take a shot till you jumped into orbit, and Hilo says we all made sacrifices, but like Ty's response is correct. The pinning the wings on your Cylon girlfriend thing aside. He says, our people were strapping homemade bombs to their chests, doing whatever we could to take these bastards out. Like, it's not the same thing. What The sacrifice is was not a sacrifice for the people on the Galactica. Well, not in the I, same way. And this is what this is why I call it the oppression Olympics is because this conversation isn't geared towards. It's geared toward nothing other than to to like give uh, me power over you. It's not a conversation about what we went through. So it's almost like they are um, dismissive about the experience of the people that were on Galactica as though the people on Galactica are somehow like, I don't know, like they they enacted all these things to to be comfortable. Um and it's just like everybody everybody just was caught in the circumstance they were caught in. And again, Kat says, she says this much later, and it kind of brings the point home. She's like, yeah, a lot of pilots died to bring you back. And that's the part that makes it really real. So it's not like the people in Galactica were like just partying it up while no, the I people agree. on New Caprica were down there. And so, and so for them to sort of like keep pushing that idea... Like it did, and it, what's the whole episode is about? Like it does nothing to serve to like bring them together at all. It's 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 meant to try to like again. People do this a lot of times. It's like in this in this weird way. Like I'm going to show you how much worse I had, and somehow that makes me better than you. 
because I'm tougher. I'm stronger. I had to put up with more, you know? Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I just think if we're, you know, one for one-ing here, it's not one for one. What yeah, what I mean, happened with Ty being in this the Cylon holding detention center, having his eye ripped out, and Starbuck being held captive in a in a psychological warfare with a with a Cylon for months? It's not the same. People putting you know bombs on their chests. It's not the same. It doesn't mean that they didn't sacrifice things to save them. But the sacrifice, the day-to-day sacrifice was not the same. I mean, it's not the same. But again, that's not the, that's really not the. They're not right. going I'm about saying, that's what I'm this saying. in the like, right The point way. of this isn't just to like be yeah. factual. That's not, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to like, to, to like sh- put that division there. And yeah, yeah. And that, and I yeah, always think yeah, that nothing, absolutely. nothing that any of the like, if Kat had a given different answers, um, Hilo had given different answers, they still would have been just as um, the word was uh, used by Adama poison, poisonous. Like they still would have just, they just would have continued saying that stuff. And so uh, it's for them because yeah, obviously they went through some, they went through some stuff, but it's like how they've been conducting themselves after it's over. So it just doesn't give you, cause to be terrible to the people around you but we also understand why you would be the way you are yeah no i'm actually not, no, i'm actually thinking arguing. about i want to like, say like some is, of the I'm stuff not... that adama says later and i just like i was trying to like just try to figure out how to say his line yeah. without like jumping ahead too much but um yeah i just think i i just think it's it, it's it the the point of it is division even if the facts are on, like, you know, the facts are on their side. Yes. Ty and Starbuck are in no way trying to be a part of things. They want to lash out at everyone around them. Because even even Starbuck is saying, like, these civilians, like, what does she say? She says, fracking civilians think they run the ship now. You know, like, they are they are exactly what Adama says later about them. On the base star, Six uh, tells Baltar that um, his info has impressed the Cylons. And then um, he asks about how, um, I, don't, I don't even know how he, like, this is, I think this is a part of where the show feels, like, strange and abrupt sometimes. All of a sudden, he, he's like, there's only seven Cylons. <laughs> I've only seen seven. I've only seen seven. And you said that there are mm-hmm. 12. Um, who are the final five? <laughs> and I was like, where did that come from? I only thought about that the second time I watched it. But, uh, yeah. um, you know, when she's like, we must never talk about them. And uh... <laughs> she does. she's not nearly that dramatic. Never talk about them. And then Deanna rushes by and says, we've got a problem. And it's in the war room. So they all run in there. They're, all the Cylons are interfacing with uh the little uh stream data devices um and then the hybrid uh, they said the hybrid has been sent the data from the recon and the base ship that they had sent has been infected with some kind of disease and um 
through the conversation, I think Simon says like they can't send others to go investigate because the disease could spread to them. Uh, isn't that ironic? You know, based on um, how they sent a virus out to to stop all the ships in the very first episode. Um, so, anyways, they can't investigate. Um, but in the uh, in back in that dream world, Six tells Baltar to volunteer to go find out what's going on the ship and this will help him prove his value and <laughs> baltar's like and what if i catch a disease <laughs> um and then uh six is like what are the chances that a human could catch something that infects a centurion or a raider um that is if you're human and if you're really a cylon one of the final five you haven't seen yet then wouldn't you rather just get it over with and die <laughs> so he does <laughs> So, Trisha Helfer said that these scenes were her least favorite to film. These ones mm-hmm. where they're just standing around the, like, water table with, you know, their hands in the water. She said they always just felt really static. And and she compared it to something like Criminal Minds or that type of show where one person is almost like a group think where they're like all coming to the conclusion at the same time and finishing each other's sentences. Everybody has one line that contributes to the whole, like, you know, point of what's being said in the scene. And she just always felt like it wasn't as dynamic to I play. mean, that goes back to me, I think, where they were getting back dailies and stuff. And Ron Moore was like, oh, this looks boring. And was trying to figure out how he was really, he, he was like really yeah. worried about these Cylon ships. And again, like the fading into different, shots and stuff was like his remedy to fix all that so that all yeah definitely all tracks for that so one other question i have for you about this uh base star i i can't remember if you can see it in this scene i know we see it in the another scene later on their version of the cic or whatever there's these like strings yeah down with like Mm -hmm. water dripping (laughs) i'm gonna show my age a little bit I can't remember who in my family had one of these things. It may have been my mom, might have been my grandparents, but it was like this thing that was hanging from the ceiling and it was all these like sort of thin little bars like that and then like drips of probably oil or water. Do you remember? Yeah, you know, it's they have to have been from the seventies. You see that because like when I saw it, like it was it felt familiar, but I didn't really think about it at all. But now that you're saying that, I'm like, Yeah, that's probably what I was thinking about. Feels like it was something from the sixties. Might have been, yeah, yeah. Like I, can't, I honestly can't remember who in my family had one of these things, but I can picture it in my mind. It was almost like shaped like a bird cage, yeah. But it wasn't a bird cage. I don't know. Like it feels like I'm having some kind of like Cylon fever dream. Even like trying to talk about this thing, it's such a weird thing. It to feels have. like it's from the lava lamp era. Yeah, but like, but the the lava's on the outside. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. It's, it's, I'm gonna need to ask my mom next time I talk to her. Like, what was that thing? And then I'm gonna have to go and try to yeah. find one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. It's just I thought about it because there's like so much of them, like these, you know, coming down from their uh-huh. ceiling, these like drips of water. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, somebody, like, 
went back into their like grandparents' house <laughs> or something to design. Yeah, that. I think a lot of the <laughs> production of the the sets, like a, a like Ramor even talks about like how the the hybrids were created. It was like from a production like artist that had drawn it or something, and then they were like, "Oh, that looks cool. What is that?" <laughs> yeah, they. Um, I did read that they. Uh, really wanted it to look like the precogs from my yeah, actually, report which is exactly yeah what i actually think like. initially he said that it it looked different like you i think she was like sitting up or something and then it ended up being it like it ended up looking more like the minority report yeah that's totally yeah i actually really like that movie um i really yeah. like that movie it too. felt like a it felt like a it felt like a 60s sci-fi movie made in today's uh, or 2002s. Um, so in we're back in the Galactica mess and, and you know, Ty and Starbuck again are having that at Pressure Olympics. And it's actually funny because in my notes, we actually talked about it, but I was like, we should, we should actually discuss if they had a point. And like, barely, like, I mean, I, I do think, like you said, I do think that they have a point. It's just the way that they go about it right they're not yeah. they're not talking yeah. about it in a way of like oh this is uh this sucks that this happened to me it's almost like you know you guys suck because we had it worse it's kind of the vibe i'm getting from them um yeah it's from from ty and starbucks ex- like perspective the, you guys didn't mm-hmm. go through anything we went through stuff we suffered you didn't and from Kat's perspective, like, no, we actually, like, worked really hard to save you. We sacrificed a lot to do that. We That's all we did was try for four months to find a way to save you. And we lost yeah. people doing yeah, it. And when she says that we lost people, that to me, that's like the, like, okay, guys, stand down, you know, because people died to, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they didn't care about what happened. If they didn't care, they just would have left, left, right? And, uh, and they, they did what they could to get them back um so there i guess there's a level of like gratitude that's missing maybe that's what it is that kind of rubs me the wrong way even though even though yeah. that they're correct um and then you know we jump to Hilo and his uh i wish he had stayed actually wish he had stayed as uh exo but anyways he is uh in adama's quarters and Hilo refer he re- you know side note he kind of refers to Sharon and then uh, Adama's like you mean you mean Athena my daughter yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's actually kind of it's kind of interesting in a way cuz you know like Athena has become his daughter in in a respect you know yeah yeah which in this episode uh, his other daughter not so much any anymore yeah. um but in the original show, uh, Starbuck was almost like a proto son to him. So it's still, you know, but like it had that same uh, disconnect that not the same like uh, bumping heads. But, you know, um, Starbuck has always been a he hasn't always been the he he wasn't the character that was upholding the authority, so to speak. He was the maverick. Right. So his relationship in mm-hmm. both that show and this one, I kind of mirror um, but anyways, he he kind of mentions he mentions all this stuff that he already knows <laughs> that that Hilo's bringing up. And again, this is sort of like a, a, like to me is indicative of how kind of rushed. And I I do think uh, Ron Moore does talk about how there are, 
he was getting like they didn't do the sound mix for this episode until like a few days before like it was ready to air or something so they were really like i think that they were really like pressed to get this stuff out so mm-hmm. this scene kind of is like there's like it's like a the line between exposition and like um you know conversation but uh anyways the, through it we find out that um you know Ty and um Starbuck are uh you know spreading discontent and basically Adama is just you know he's like they should know better and Hilo's like I don't think that they care <laughs> and so yeah. then back on the base star Baltar in his flight suit when <laughs> in a colonial flight suit is walking around the hybrid who's randomly talking and um, this is actually what my brain sounds like at 1 a.m., as a matter of fact. Um, so when you watch the show, it's hard to catch everything that she says. So I've mm-hmm. got it here in this uh, <clears throat> this transcript, and it's it's interesting. I really want to know, like, if I should study these words and try to figure out what she's saying. Like maybe, maybe Leoben has yeah. a point here. Like some when I, so when I read it, I was my my take, my conclusion was that it was just mostly, like from from a writer's perspective, it was just mostly babble, um, and you put in some stuff in there that sounds cool, but then you throw a lot of random things in there too, and I th- I I think that only certain lines in there meant something or when um she speaks one line like a little bit later or something that's like right to be uh interpreted but for the most part it's just like filling the space for her to have stuff to say but it, it like in universe yeah it probably all means something <laughs> right like because that's kind of the whole point i mean it's it's an interesting mix of organic language and technological mm-hmm. language I don't know. I've always wanted, I've always really been interested in the hybrids and what they say because certain things would like sort of raise up above the the din of the rest of it. But, you know, I'm, I'm just curious why they chose the words they chose. And also for this actress to remember these <laughs> lines when they do not make any sense is pretty good. Yeah, because like, you know, Baltar asks if uh, if it if it is aware. He says, and then Six says she's aware of everything abroad, um, on board. And then um, she goes on to say that the Cylons think that the hybrid is mad, but Leobin, like you were saying earlier, thinks that every word that uh, she says means something. Um, kind of like the mouth of Sauron or, or God. No, <laughs> no but uh, he like. She he asks if she he asks uh, Baltar asks if the uh, if the hybrid actually controls the base ship and Six says in a very real sense she is the base ship, um, which makes me think about something completely different. But the way that she interacts with the world is like she is aware of everything is why she talks the way she does. Like she doesn't have to have conversation. She doesn't, you know, like I said, like I was actually joking when I said my brain, that's what my brain sounds like at 1 a.m. Um, but mm-hmm. I yeah, yeah, right. But it's like, um, this is when I'm awake. 
That's why I can't sleep. But, um, you know, like my thoughts don't necessarily equal how I speak. Like sometimes when I like, you know, I, I will, I will go back on this, uh, podcast and I'll start, I'll listen to see where I can improve and, and do stuff differently. Right. And I, I notice how I speak on here and, a lot of it is because I have like a billion thoughts in my head and I'm trying to find the right word to convey what I'm actually thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, it might sometimes it may take me a little bit longer to land on that. Um, but it's like I'm not saying I'm like some brilliant hybrid, but I'm just saying like you like I think for take that hybrid, you know, that it's times a thousand for them. Right. And they might be thinking yeah. of a million things and they don't have to live in the world where they have to communicate so they that's what that thing can do right i shouldn't say thing that's what she can do mm-hmm. um side note when i just realized <laughs> that in a very real sense she is the bishop and she was humanized in that moment i was like damn like every time a bishop gets destroyed i just imagined her like ah, you know screaming in terror and i yeah. just was like oh my god it actually a whole feeling of like sadness or something shot through me. The horror of it, um, kind of sad, actually. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, she says, "Jump," and then they jump, and then um, Baltar takes a raptor, flies out, um, and it autopilots to the uh, base star. Um, he gets inside the base star, and then there's Cylons on the ground. They're, like, dying, throwing up, all kinds of stuff's happening. Um, he starts taking pictures, um, which actually is kind of funny because, like, the camera, it just felt dated to me, which is kind of funny um, now, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, he sees what we find out, we will find out later, is a beacon, and he starts taking picture, pictures of that. It's, like, some kind of, like, some kind of device. Um, there's a black haired six. I think, is this what you were talking about where she wants to wear like a dark haired wig or is this like, or later? Yeah. She asked for okay. a dark haired yeah. wig for this. Um, I literally was going to ask. Just to, just okay. to do something. Yeah. Different. I was, I literally was going to ask you like about that. Like, does she, like, do you think this is, uh, cause it, it says something about what the Cylons are going through actually, because she's the first time you see someone that, with, a model like her that has such a different look from the rest of it, just at least hair color. Um, and then that would imply individuality um, starting to grow. Um, but mostly it's mm-hmm. just, uh, I just, she just wanted to change it up, I guess. Um, Baltar says that she's dehydrated and just to uh, calm down. Um, he wants to heal her. Um, and he's like, uh, she wants oh no she wants him to kill her and and then she's uh he's like uh if you know i can't do that because you won't be downloaded and she doesn't care like she's in that much pain then she thinks that he's from galactica because obviously he's in he's in like the colonial uh viper garb and then like he asks what that device is and she tells him it's the beacon they found it it's like a marker she says um, and then she obviously puts two, to get two together and thinks that's what's causing them to get sick. And through this is like, hey, like, uh, yeah, it was left by humans to destroy us. And like, you're guilty. 
And so she starts blaming him and the humans and tells, and he tells her to be quiet and then he loses it and he chokes her to death. And jeez. Yeah. He's never looked crazier than he looks in that scene. Yeah. It's really like, it's sort of like typical Baltar in the sense that it's more panic than anything, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, she's not right. Um, like, yes, it was probably left by the 13th tribe. But was the 13th tribe human? I guess they were. But it wasn't to destroy the Cylons because back then there weren't Cylons. No, the 13th tribe in this, in this iteration, they weren't they, they were Cylons. Well, I can't remember. I believe. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, so... it was not left here to destroy the Cylons, you wacko. It just got some space disease in it it's yeah we'll, floating around we'll, for centuries we'll actually get to this you know, like when we get to the parts when they're having the exposition episode <laughs> actually i think it's the same episode that uh like jason had mentioned wanting to come back i think it's the same one when mm-hmm. they i think it's uh, but anyways um we should spend a little bit of time and i've, I've actually remember seeing an article sort of like breaking down like you know, all of this stuff, because there's like time dilation and all the stuff that goes on. But my just cursory memory was just that it was actually, I feel like it was actually left by the um, final five on their way back to the colonies. That's what I think it was. But I, I'm also probably making that up. So I don't know. Um, so I never really thought any of what they said was important. So I just, <laughs> I know, watched it and moved on. Because I was like, they're totally just trying to make this work, and we need to get to the next next part. Let's move on. <laughs> well, we'll see. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't really remember. But yeah, it'll be it'll it'll definitely be worth it uh, getting into that. Uh, and I because I do feel like there's probably some holes, and maybe we can fill them a little bit later. Um, so then Dural anyway go, comes over the comms and asks what Baltar sees, and Baltar is like, "I don't see anything of consequence. Nothing over here." Even though obviously there's a lot going on over there. Um, and back at the base, are the Cylons are debating what to do, and Dural's blaming Baltar about the disease, and they confront him about it, and there's big arguments, and then De- <laughs> Deanna smacks her hand down in the goo and says they have to leave. Um, in that, when she smacks her hand in the 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 goo or whatever, uh, the water, uh, the hybrid does this high pitched scream that all the Cylons on the base star can hear. Um, and this is this is a line where I feel like it, where like before it's like kind of more random, but she says something here that you can interpret. I don't know how to interpret, but she says mists of dreams drip along the nation echo and love no more. End of line. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what that means. Yeah. There's like, you know, I can really get into it because I don't, I don't know that it matters, but it's almost like the decision, because right after this, Dural says, um, uh, I take, he takes it as her objecting, like, uh, she doesn't want to go. And Deanna's like, no, we are, we're going to go. And so they jump, she says, jump the ship and they jump. But this line here, mists of dreams drip along the nation echo and and that love no more part to me kind of feels like uh, at a crossroads or something. I don't I, I don't know. I don't again, I don't know that it necessarily means something, but it's 
open more to interpretation than the chunk of babble that she says before. And mm. whenever she says end of line, the Tron fan in me always gets excited. <laughs> <laughs> Deanna is asking Baltar. He, he says, like, did you um, notice anything on the ship? And again, he says, no, but... Caprica 6 is over there looking at the pictures he took. And I don't know why he would like, why he would like lie like that because he took the pictures and brought them back. So wouldn't he think that anybody, like everybody would see what he said? Because he's in self-protection mode. He should have just said like, there was something on that ship, but I don't know what it was. Yeah. And they brought it on the ship. That must be what, what caused this, but I don't know what it was. Yeah. Um, so we are back on the Galactica and we're in the pilot's room and then Adama enters and he gives one of his give me the room and <laughs> Starbuck, like everybody gets up and then Starbuck starts to get, get up and he's like, you stay in your seat. I love this scene so much. Uh, and then Ty offers him a drink. <laughs> <laughs> all like casually um and then adama asked for starbucks sidearm and she's all warp de derp like kind of checks it, it plops it on the table and then adama picks it up checks the chamber to make sure the bu- there's a bullet in it and then he plops it back on the table <laughs> and then uh ties all hey that thing's loaded you know and then he says and then adama is like not one of you i don't care who Pick that weapon up and shoot me. He's so dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) And then Starbucks starts to talk and Adama's like, I didn't say talk. Oh, God, I love this. What are you going to (laughs) say? I was going to say that, that she starts to talk and he's like, I didn't say to talk. You've done enough of that. Yeah. I said, pick that weapon up and shoot. What's the matter? No guts? You don't got a pair? I love it. (laughs) So it's so like Adama- in certain mm-hmm. moments, you're both fracking cowards. <laughs> and uh, then when he says that, Ty's like, you watch your mouth. Um, and that's what I, <laughs> this whole, this whole uh, moment gave me like Fight Club vibes. He's like, I want you to punch me as hard as you can. Um, <laughs> which was weird that you brought him up. Anyways, uh, Adama asked, asked him like, you know, um, like or what you know you're uh you're gonna turn my pilots against each other is that what you're gonna do you're gonna poison the crew you've already done that both of you yeah and then starbuck he's all defiant <laughs> challenges them <laughs> and it's like if you're asking for an apology buddy and then he kicks the chair out from underneath her and she falls yep. on the floor listen i don't condone violence violence is never ever warranted Except for when it is. <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> um, go ahead. No, I just, I love this, you know. Oh, he, yeah. He yeah. throws her to the floor and he's like, you are a daughter to me. No more. You're malcontented. A cancer. Yeah. And I don't want you on my ship. Figure yeah. out how to become a human being again. And an officer, which I think that's kind of like the point that really um is what this is all about um or you find another place to live he dismisses her and then she storms off 
And then Ty comes in with a gray line. <laughs> you going to kick me out of my chair too? <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. Um, and then, um, you know, as Adama switches a little bit here, so he's still firm, but he, there's like an element of him trying to be kind, kinder mm-hmm. to Ty, um, in this moment. But then, you know, Ty is like, you know, don't pat- patronize me. And then, and then Adama drops back into it. <laughs> His delivery is so great. You're full of bile, hatred. <laughs> so good. Uh, I know that it's, you know, I know it has something to do with Ellen, and I'm sorry for that. Um, and if you need time, Saul, we'll take all the time you want. But I got to run a ship. <laughs> the last thing I need is a one eyed drunk sitting down there sowing discontent, disobedience. So I'll tell you once again, Saul. You pick up that weapon and kill me. But you get your ass back in your quarters and not leave until you're ready to act like the men I've known for the past 30 years. You go to your room without dinner and think about what you did. <laughs> oh, man. It's so good. Like, it's just like, it's like when, um, I, you know, now I think about it, like even in the um, commentary, uh, Ron Moore, it's kind of like how uh, Edward James almost really loves it when he gets these times when he gets to be tough because mm-hmm. he gets to really like you know really emote <laughs> and he really does it he really it's a, this is like this is like proto uh proto adama if i were if i were to like give a description of who this character is i would like put this down um so you could get who he was um but yeah, basically through all of that, I d- indulged a little bit doing because I just I, I haven't really been able to do a lot of Adama impersonations. <laughs> um, but he, you know, basically the two of them have been terrible, right? And um, whether they are justified or not, like Adama says, I have a ship to run, and we can't have any sort of unity if you guys are um, like basically undermining him. And the whole point of uh, you know shoot me in the head, you might as well kill me, like. Yeah. You know, um, that's that's what you're doing to me by doing this stuff now. Um, so, yeah, Ty picks up the gun and, you know, we know he's not going to shoot Adama, but he kind of looks like he's like he might pull it, hold it up to him. But he just he just ejects the round from the chamber and puts it back on the table. And he says it's a really great line. He said, that man doesn't exist anymore, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> And you won't be seeing me again. Um, yes, we that, will. Yeah, we'll see. We see him in a, in a few uh, scenes later. <laughs> but no, but he really—it's—it says so much about him, um, yeah. what he's going through, and um, what he went through on New Caprica is a lot. I mean, I mean, we saw it, right? But yeah. emotionally, he's like he's delivering the uh aftermath to us you know we get to move on from it you know as tv viewers we kind of passively watch it but it's like no um there's a lot more impact that that happened to him that he can't just like flip a switch and change that i mean and this is why he drinks in the first place right because he never could get over the first war that he was in you know so um after that scene though so Ty, we we so we know the effect of that conversation 
And it almost it almost happens in reverse of what I would expect because I would expect I would have expected Ty to like get it together and then Starbuck to like you know go off the rails. But the effect of that actually is is that Starbuck she like, first of all dramatically walks into the uh, the pilot's head and she looks into a mirror. She like pulls out this knife and everyone's kind of standing there looking at her and. There's a very pretty pilot that's behind her that I noticed that was in an episode before. Nothing about nothing, but she kind of looked like racetrack, and that's the only reason why I think I noticed. <laughs> but she, <laughs> she pulls her, uh, Starbuck pulls her hair back and then chops off all the long hair that she's grown. Um, I think in the commentary, Ron Moore talks about how, like, Katie, like, didn't want to cut the hair off for, like, the longest that they they finally they held it off for the as long as they could but um yeah, and this was like an organic place to do it katie said um on this thing i saw on youtube where she was talking with trisha she said that when they cut her hair for the pilot it was so short and she like started crying and she said she like immediately like pinned the side with bobby pins to see if she could still do things that made her look like a girl and Mm -hmm. she just and i've been there i have cut my hair short and regretted it immediately and not felt feminine at all Mm -hmm. and like i knew exactly what she was talking about and then also like these were extensions and she said you know she actually cut the hair herself with a knife and cut her accidentally I think cut some of her own actual hair and cut her arm. She said she still has scars from where she accidentally sliced her own arm cutting through that hair. Jesus. Yeah. Um, in those scenes, like in inter- intermingled with that, you have Ty just kind of sitting at his desk and still drinking, looking at pictures of Ellen, like to, to like, it's so funny, like, how, you know, we're all, like, you know, Ellen's the worst, but <laughs> now it's, like, dude, oh, God, you just yeah. feel so bad for him. Poor, poor uh, Ty. For Ty, yeah. Um, and then, so then Starbuck, she's in uniform with her short hair. So, you know, again, this is a visual signal that she's back, back to, mm-hmm. you know, um, her status quo. A, ver- a, a version of that is back. Um, and she's walking through that camp oil slick and she finds Casey who jumps into her Starbucks hands, Starbucks arms after holding her little dolly that, uh, she had made. And then Starbucks starts crying and my heart just, oh, it's ripped to shreds. Cause it's like, oh, I don't know what to say. These are your emotions. I'm, I'm Mr. Data trying to talk about emotions. <laughs> it feels very awkward. Um, and then um, we, after that, like, so, like, deep emotional moment, like, we cold, we're jumping out into space, and where we see the lion's head nebula, uh, the, a raptor jumps, and it's racetrack in Athena, and uh, they spot the uh, lion's head nebula, and realizing, oh, uh, that's the road to Earth, woo! But uh, then they kind of pans up, and then there's that base star that's floating into view, and then Athena starts quoting scripture, and she says, "When the god, when God's anger awakens, even the mighty shall fall." Yeah, and then racetrack 
preps and then they jump and it says to be continued, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it <laughs> to be continued. And uh, my my uh, memory around these episodes is kind of fuzzy. I and large swaths, I know what happens, but I didn't uh, recall that it there was like a two parter or whatever. Not even like that. But anyway, that's the end of uh, Torn. And uh, now I know why they called it Torn. I didn't uh, even realize why they called it Torn until you were talking about what the episode might have been initially. So. Yeah. I, I know last week when I mentioned it, you were like, I don't remember what that episode is. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, right. The Cylon disease thing, mm-hmm. which is a bigger part of next episode. But yeah, uh, was Baltar the worst this week? I will say that he I mean, he's like borderline still, but I will say that he's not. Well, no, he choked someone to death. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I said ish. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Full colors. Um, Lord, I'm gonna give it to Dama. That's what I said too. Yeah. Throw them out the airlock. Ellen Ty. Aww. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, throw them out the airlock. I would give to. I don't know. I would say for this episode, it would have to be Starbuck and Ty. Like you two are mm, destructive. Yeah. You know cancers basically yeah um this week's favorite cylon i have you know it's the the sentimentality of athena finally Mm. making her appearance and just um for the character getting that name so she's finally back into the good graces so i will say sharon even though you know, there, there might, there might have, I don't know, there might have been other Cylons that, you know, like, I, you know, there, I could make a case for uh, Caprica Six in some regards, but I think it'll be, I think it would be Sharon. Okay. Do we have any new reviews? Um, I do not see any, but I feel well, like I we did, have one. I did receive an email. Uh, yeah. Back in September, I'm very sorry, it went to, like, one of the subfolders. I didn't know it was there. Um, it was from a listener named Vanessa, who, um, I don't have it up in front of me, but she basically was saying that she was trying to leave a review on iTunes and it wasn't working, and so she sent us an email. She called us her favorite podcasters, which is really flattering. Thank you so much, Vanessa. And was asking if we had any plans to put our show up on YouTube, which was very good timing. That was perfect timing. You were doing exactly (laughs) that when I found the email. Yeah. It's (laughs) almost like... The reason I found the email is because you were having problems getting the YouTube, like, authorized. And I had to go into the email and... So I was I couldn't figure out how to make it work, and I was clicking around, and I found this email. So, yeah, it's almost like the writers of Battlestar Galactica, um, uh, the one true god and the angel of Zephyr, yeah. <laughs> it was the hand of fate, hand of God, <laughs> Gaius. It was uh, so, that was a weird coincidence? Yeah, thank you, Vanessa. Again, I apologize for taking so many months to respond to you. Um, 
and there are some at least one episode is up on youtube now right or two yeah there's two um i will be going through our older episodes i'm trying to think about how to roll it out i might be doing like the latest ones as well as some of the older ones um but uh they're kind of they're kind of beasts to upload <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the files are pretty big like nine yeah. ten gigabytes so takes a little takes a little bit yeah. to process and get up but um but once they're there um yeah check us out on uh, if you if you actually want to like go back and listen to some older episodes um and or just tell people that uh we have a youtube channel now and you what's can what's the youtube channel name galactica actually yeah it's galactica actually um we'll All put right. i guess we'll put the uh, we'll put we'll start putting the link in our uh social media stuff as well yeah and, uh, the um when we're launching the podcast episodes i guess so well speaking of our social media we have um our email account which is galactica actually podcast at gmail.com our instagram is galactica actually our youtube is galactica actually uh our twitter which i did tweet out this uh cute thing from sci-fi network that trisha had done with some of the cast tweeted that out the other day that's at at galactually pod um, you can find my past podcast work at the Unspoiled Network. And where can you be found? Um, you can find me at the Armageddon on Instagram and uh, First Noel Chronicles. And also you can find me on Instagram with my uh, review series, The uh, Another <laughs> Yet. A, I always forget that I can say the name. Another Review That You Didn't Ask For. Um, I think I talked about it last week. The last episode I did was uh, The Beekeeper. Mm-hmm. And I will be working on getting a new uh, episode this week. I've been kind of busy doing stuff. And I didn't I didn't have my traditional run to the movie theater where I could watch Nicole Kidman gaslight me uh, this last week. But I'm going to see about getting there this week to see it, uh, a movie. And I, there's a TV series that I'm going to do a review for, depending on how fast I can get through it. So... Um, I'll keep that a secret until it's up. But uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Okay. Um, Next week, the episode we will be covering is called A Measure of Salvation. It is the conclusion of this episode. And yeah. I don't even even know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just taking a quick glance in this book and I forgot some of this stuff. So it'll be an interesting conversation. Uh, do you have any last thoughts before we say goodbye? No, I don't. Looking forward to some virus mayhem, I guess. <laughs> okay, well, until then, what do you hear? <laughs> Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.